the sinful earth, we will never fully understand the great significance of that wonderful day. You'll understand that totally in your life hereafter. What a revelation that will be. But through the symbolism of the temple and through many other means, God has given us numerous truths to have us understand what that great event on Golgotha some 2,000 years ago was all about. Now, one of those clues is found in the tearing of the curtain the moment that the Lord Jesus drew his last breath. It was a great moment. It was a wonderful moment. It has enormous significance for us today. It is great news for today and great news for all believers throughout the ages. And that's what I want you to read about on this Good Friday. It is about the gospel of the torn curtain in the temple. We will look at three things. First of all, our separation from God. Secondly, our deliverance by God. And finally, our complete access to God. It was a momentous event when the curtain in the temple was torn in two. It was one of the greatest moments in the history of redemption. And it happened at exactly the right time. It happened at the time that the Lord Jesus, that the Lord God himself had determined. It happened on Friday just before Passover. We know that the time of Christ's death was three o'clock in the afternoon. Because of the Passover, it is it will have been a very busy time in the temple. Many priests were occupied with the sacrifices which had to be brought. And therefore, it will have been quite a sensation when the curtain in the temple suddenly tore from top to bottom. It was obvious to everyone that this was no ordinary occurrence. For that curtain that hung there was not just some ordinary curtain, like a curtain you have hanging in your window. No, it was huge. It was very heavy. And it was very well constructed. That's clear from what we read in Exodus 26, where its special construction is described. When the first curtain was made, Oholiab, who was in charge of making the curtains of the temple, had many assistants. He was in charge, but he couldn't do it by himself. He had help from the whole Israelite community. As you know from elsewhere in Exodus, many women helped in the weaving of that huge curtain. Of course, the curtain that was made by Oholiab was not the curtain that hung in the temple during Christ's time. That first curtain hung in the tabernacle some 1,400 years before Christ. After the temple was built, the tabernacle no longer existed. And then another curtain will have been made. But that temple and everything in it was also destroyed. Another tent was built after the exile. And by 
as you can be sure that the curtain hanging in the temple at the time of Christ will have remained in exactly the same way and according to the same specification as the time in the wilderness. So let's take a look at that curtain and the symbolic significance of it all. First of all, there were actually two curtains in the temple. So the sanctuary proper was divided into three parts. Namely, you had the holy place and you had the most holy place. The holy place was also called in other parts of scripture the tent of meeting or the holy of holies. Both the tent of meeting and the most holy place were each shut off with a certain curtain. But in our text, only one curtain is mentioned. Which one of those curtains is torn in two? Most commentators agree that this would have been the curtain which shuts off the most holy place from the holy place. And that's most likely. For example, it says in Hebrews 6, verse 19, that Jesus entered the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And in, nine, in Hebrews 9, verse 12, that Jesus entered the most holy place by his own blood. Each sign is spoken of the entrance into the most holy place, which was shut off by the curtain. And the most holy place was the dwelling place of God. At least, that is where God manifested himself. It is not so, of course, that God actually lived there. He lives in heaven. But the temple served as a replica of heaven. It represented heaven. The most holy place was the most intimate and the most special place in the temple. That is where God placed himself in the midst of his people already at the beginning of Israel as a nation. The Israelites knew that that is where God dwells spiritually. And as they made their way across the desert, God was with them. The people knew it. For at night they could see a fire above the tabernacle, and during the day a cloud would hang over it. And as they moved, and the tabernacle was taken with them, God also moved with them. Once they became a nation, the beautiful temple was built. And there again, the most holy place was the most important place in the temple. Once again, God made his dwelling there. But it was very difficult to access that most holy place. Only once a year could the high priest go in there. No one else was allowed. And the high priest himself could only enter after many ceremonies and cleansing rituals. And that was because of the sin of man. Man cannot just approach God as if God is a mere creature. No, God is holy. He is the almighty creator of heaven and earth, indeed of the whole universe. And he is pure. Cannot be touched by sinful man. Man has to keep his distance. 
And that is why a heavy curtain had to shut it out from the people. But the curtain's design symbolized also access and God's wonderful presence. The curtain also translated as a veil was made of various materials and colors, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, as it says in in Exodus. The yarn was wool. The rest of the curtain consisted of finely twisted linen, and the linen was as white as snow. The color white made up the background color, and so white would have been the predominant color of that curtain. In addition, cherubim were embroidered on the curtain. Cherubim are angels with wings. They represent the angels who guarded paradise after Adam and Eve had been banned from it. To the Hebrews, those colors had a lot of significance. Not hard for us to discover what that was. The blue yarn reminded them of the blue color of the heavens. That is the color of the dwelling place of God. God dwells in the heavens. God also dwells in the midst of his people, in the most holy place. And so the blue on the curtain would tell each and every one that God dwells behind those curtains. We also read about the purple yarn. Actually, from the Hebrew, it is clear that the color was in actual fact a very dark red. Israel, red is the color of sin. You're probably familiar with the passage in Isaiah 1, verse 18, where it says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And further, we also know from Numbers 19, verse 12, that the animal which was to be sacrificed on the Day of Atonement had to be made red. The red color signifies the sinfulness of the people. And we also read further about a third color, namely scarlet. Again, from the original, it seems clear that this was a light, clear red. Also, this color signified the color of blood through which the sins of the people would be covered and atoned for. And then finally, we have the predominant color of white. As you know, white is the color of absolute innocence. It was also the color of light. In Revelation, John the Apostle sees how the garments of the faithful are made white through the red blood of the Lamb. And that's also what David requests from the Lord when he cries out in Psalm 51, verse 7, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Through the blood of the atonement, we are made white, clean, and holy before God. We are made pure. The cherubim were embroidered on the curtain in order to remind the people of the wrath of God. When these cherubim guarded the way to the tree of life in paradise, they had flaming swords in their hands. And they guarded the entrance to the Garden of Eden. Anyone who would dare enter would be destroyed. The 
so the text speaks about that curtain with all those colors and with the cherubim embroidered on them, which, as it says in Exodus 26, verse 33, separates the holy place from the most holy place. That word separation has great significance throughout Scripture. In Genesis 1, the same word is used for the separation of light and darkness. Light and darkness symbolize God on the one hand and man on the other hand. We read in John 1 that the light came into the darkness, meaning that the Son of God came into the world of sinful man. Light and darkness cannot exist in the same place. The light will always make the darkness disappear. So you see that all that symbolism is very rich. And that symbolism is also shown in the way that the Lord God separates himself from man in the most holy place. Man, you and I, we are creatures of darkness because of sin. God dwells in light. And therefore, man could not enter the most holy place. If he would do so, he would die on the spot. But ultimately, it was not God who put up that barrier. Who did? Man did. And how did he do that? By rejecting God, by walking away from him, by sinning against him. Think about what happened in paradise. Before the fall into sin, Adam and Eve could freely walk and talk with God. There were no obstacles to their relationship. Adam and Eve did not have to be afraid of God. On the contrary, God's presence was a constant delight to them. And then what happened? Sin entered, which made an enormous difference. The Lord God remained the same, holy and full of light. But man became a creature of darkness. Man became, as the scriptures say elsewhere, people of the flesh. And when the scriptures speak about our flesh, they speak about our sinful flesh. They speak about our sinful nature. God is not flesh. He is spirit. And so here we see that there is a division, a separation between God and man. So the curtain is also a symbol of the sinful flesh of man. For man's flesh, his fleshly desires, his attachment to earthly things, prevent him from approaching God. And therefore the curtain in the temple is like a sermon to the Israelites time and again. It tells them about the separation between man and God. It tells them about the need for blood to be shed time and again. It proclaims to them that no one can see God and live. It also proclaims to them that ultimately sacrifices and prayer and good works cannot earn them a place in the heart of God. For the curtain proclaims to them that they must live out of grace, out of the grace and mercy of God. And that mercy is revealed behind that curtain. And yet it appears that that is almost 
attainable for the Israelites for only once a year, only one man, namely the high priest, would go to that person. But now we see that on that Good Friday, that same curtain is torn into two from top to bottom. It did not get torn because the curtain was too old for that reason, could no longer bear its own weight. No, there was nothing wrong with that curtain. It was torn because it had outlived its usefulness. Because of Christ's death, we are delivered from the wrath of God. Christ's death means that the way to God has been opened up. torn at the very moment that Christ gives up his spirit. At that precise time our entrance to God was opened up. The gates are thrown wide open to all those who up to this time were deprived of the temple and who were prohibited from seeing God in his own house. The Sanhedrin and the majority of the people condemned him outside of the temple and indeed outside of the gates of Jerusalem. They treat him as an outcast. They want nothing to do with him. They spit on him and ridicule him. He is nothing more than refuse to them. But now, brothers and sisters, we see the greatness of Christ. Man can do to him what he wants but they can never strip him of his almighty power. He reaches his out, out his hand into the temple and he tears the curtain in two. That curtain is torn from top to bottom. God himself reaches out from heaven and proclaims the victory of Christ. The hour has now come in which the prohibition, no admittance, could be erased from God's heavenly murals forever. At that very moment, the Levites and all the priests, including the high priest, could be dismissed. From that moment on, as far as God was concerned, they were all unemployed. They were no longer needed in order to draw near to God. As I said earlier, our sinful flesh must be seen as functioning in the same way as the curtain in the temple. That flesh also had to be torn. And this could only be done by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the curtain also represents the flesh of Christ. That is clear from Hebrews 10, verse 19 through 22, where it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. It wasn't just the curtain that was torn on the day that Christ died. No, that curtain also symbolized the 
flesh of Christ was torn. That curtain in the temple had hung there for many centuries. But now, through the death of Christ, that curtain was torn. And so Christ, through the curtain, that is now through his flesh, by allowing it to be torn, has entered for always the heavenly places. And where is he now? He is now seated at the right hand of his Father, and we may be assured of a place with him. He restored paradise for us. All the obstacles have been removed. Today we can look back to the time in paradise when man could walk and talk freely with God. Brothers and sisters, what a great moment in the history of redemption. On Good Friday, all the barriers between God and us have been removed. We no longer need to go to the temple in order to go where God dwells. No, now we can approach God directly through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. We have unfettered access to our Father in heaven through him. Sin is no longer an issue. Through his blood, our sins have been atoned for. So, for are we now not just as sinful as the believer in the Old Testament? And yes, you're right. It's true that you and I are still just as sinful. In that sense, the symbolism of the curtain applies to us as much as it did to the Old Testament believer. Paul also says in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin. The ESV translate that differently. It says, but I am of the flesh sold unto sin. When the scriptures refer to our flesh, it is synonymous with weakness. Our flesh refers to the fact that we are, because of our sins, programmed to care only for our own flesh. Think about it. Full of pride. So easily think that we, by our own actions, have opened the way to God ourselves by our zeal for the Lord, by the fact that we belong to the true church, by being good parents. And so the list could go on and on and on. And of course, those are good things, but those are not the things that give you access to God. need to see ourselves for the sinful creatures that we truly are. And that's difficult. It's difficult for us to look in the mirror and to realize what miserable creatures we are. To realize how our flesh acts as a curtain which denies us access to God. And that's why God wants us to know ourselves, to know our sinfulness. At this moment, we are as sinful as ever. But the wonderful thing is that now we live after the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Christ opened the gate to 
the Father wide open for us. As long as you humble yourself and find him again. Christ opened the doors. Oh, yes. And he opened them for repentant sinners already. For you and for me. Easter, we will celebrate, which we will celebrate in your following Sunday, Christ rose from the dead so that we may live forever. Easter makes possible the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit we are cleansed, renewed daily. And today we must remember that our flesh was also nailed to the cross with Christ. Our sinfulness, our original as well as our actual sins were crucified with Christ. They died. And the flesh tore along with the flesh of Christ. For that reason that we can have complete access to Christ through the death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, sure. We only have a very small part of the obedience that God requires. But we know that because of Good Friday, the many ways in which we fail before God, our sinful flesh will not be held against us. That's why the Lord rose. We have the forgiveness of Christ. But it is for that reason that we must also live a life of faith, a life of thanksgiving. sense we can once again approach God as Adam could in paradise. You and I, we can walk and talk with God. The entrance to God in heaven has been opened up to us. It is true that at times in our lives it may seem that we still stand before that curtain sometimes have the feeling as if we are surrounded by darkness. I have that feeling sometimes. It seems as God is still hidden before our eyes and that the world and even our own hearts are ruled by the forces of darkness. We see all the darkness around us. But it is especially during such moments that we may be able to pray to our Father in heaven for prayer is still the most important part of our lives of thankfulness. Let us try to be successful. And then if we truly humble ourselves before God, then we can also see Christ seated at the right hand of God triumphantly. As Stephen saw just before he was stoned to death. He saw Christ standing there throne of God, where he sits in his glorified flesh. So faith lifts us up to beyond this present world. Priests were dismissed as soon as Christ gave up his spirit. And now you and I, we may all be priests before God. We may draw near to God. The curtain has been torn, and so we can go on from strength to strength. 
the strength of God. So isn't it wonderful to be called children of God? Isn't it wonderful that we have the privilege to draw near to him? And it's there at Thanksgiving. And the Lord of that table that we sit before this morning. We know that Christ died for us. And then the veil that hangs is ripped over our eyes as we look to him. And in the end, that veil, that curtain will be completely lifted. We will see God with our own eyes and live with him forever and ever, ever. There will be no barriers whatsoever between us and him. And brothers and sisters, that's what we're looking forward to, aren't we? And if you truly believe, then you may also be sure that you will receive the blessing of unreasonable surpassing love. You are wonderful.